Welcome to Medical Breakthroughs from Pem Medicine, advancing medicine through precision diagnostics and novel therapies. You're listening to ReachMD, and I am your host, Dr. Barry Menon. And joining me today is Dr. Deepak Sudhindra, Assistant Professor of Clinical Radiology and Surgery at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania Perlman School of Medicine. And today, we will be discussing interventional radiology, chronic deep vein thrombosis, or DVT. Dr. Sudhindra, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Dr. Menon, for having me. Our pleasure. Let's start off. What is the difference between acute, subacute, and chronic deep vein thromboses? Acute DVT is defined as thrombus within the deep veins that is generally up to 14 days of age. Subacute DVT is generally between 14 to 30 days of age, and chronic DVT is generally consists of thrombus that is 30 days or older. Now, that is generally what we would call the textbook uh, answer. However, thrombus um, can be in various uh, forms of organization uh, in a particular patient. And so a patient can have some areas of the clot that are chronic in nature and some parts of the clot that are acute or subacute in nature. And so that would naturally be relative to the timing. So the, the oldest part is chronic, et cetera, et cetera, as we move on. Correct. And what are the complications of DVT? But the main complication that we uh, worry about with DVT is the progression to pulmonary embolism. Outside of pulmonary embolism, the complications that are of concern is the development of chronic venous hypertension, or what is known as post-thrombotic syndrome. Now, what is the scope of post-thrombotic syndrome, or PTS, and why is it important to treat PTS? Post-thrombotic syndrome is mainly seen in patients who have developed extensive DVT, and extensive DVT is usually consists of iliofemoral DVT, and sometimes can include femoral palpiteal DVT as well. Post-thrombotic syndrome can develop in up to 50% of patients with iliofemoral DVT, and that includes patients who do receive anticoagulation fairly early on. Now, the economic burden of post-thrombotic syndrome and the psychologic burden and also the uh, disability that occurs from post-thrombotic syndrome is uh, really quite dramatic. And the vast majority of post-thrombotic syndrome is not treated for a variety of reasons, which we will uh, get into uh, later. However, post-thrombotic syndrome is something that develops over time, over you know, three to five uh, years from uh, the onset of uh, deep vein thrombosis. And if it's caught early, there are things that can be done to at least halt the progression of post-thrombotic syndrome or possibly prevent it from occurring completely. Now, why is PTS, as you mentioned, and venous disease perhaps in general, not treated or ignored? Well, you know, I think there are um, uh, several uh, reasons. Um, I believe the main reason that venous disease in general is ignored is because there really is a lack of education in the medical community and amongst the general public about venous disease. 
Um, for example, you know, um, let me ask you, if you think back to uh, medical school and being in anatomy class, uh, do you recall being asked about the veins in anatomy class? Just the the big ones, but not not too much. Absolutely not. Yeah. Right. It was really just you know the main ones like the vena cava and uh, the internal jugular vein. The portal vein. Yeah. You know, and that was really about it. And, and most of the focus is on arterial disease, and that's you know, and that's rightly so because we know um, uh, what the complications are of arterial disease, uh, not only from a cardiac standpoint, but from a stroke standpoint. But uh, generally, uh, the veins are uh, are ignored. And so the way I look at it is if you have a whole uh, a generation of physicians who are not really taught about venous disease and the pathology associated with venous disease, how are those physicians going to uh, recognize the venous pathology in their patients? So, so I think, you know, uh, um, first and foremost, it stems from uh, education. Secondly, there is a perception that venous disease and the problems with post-thrombotic syndrome are really a cosmetic issue only, and, and that is really far from the truth. The vast majority of patients that come in for the treatment of venous insufficiency uh, come in because they have heavy, tired legs, night cramps, uh, restless legs. The cosmetic result after treatment really is a secondary benefit. And when you look at post-thrombotic syndrome, the main issue is that most patients are often told that there's really nothing that can be done for their symptoms and that this is a complication that has occurred and a patient just has to learn to live with it, perhaps uh, wear some compression stockings. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine on ReachMD. I am your host, Dr. Barry Menon, and I am speaking with Dr. Deepak Sudhindra, Assistant Professor of Clinical Radiology and Surgery at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania Perlman School of Medicine. May-Thurner syndrome is not an uncommon cause of DVT. Can you describe what exactly May-Thurner syndrome is and why it's important to recognize this condition in terms of preventing the complications of DVT? Yes. Um, May-Thurner syndrome is the compression of the left common iliac vein by the overlying right common iliac artery and the spine posteriorly. So the left common iliac vein actually gets sandwiched between the artery and the, and the spine. Um, it can be seen in both men and women, but it's more commonly seen in women. And so any woman who presents with extensive iliofemoral DVT in the left lower extremity needs to be evaluated for May-Thurner syndrome. And the reason is, is the treatment is actually angioplasty and stenting, not just putting a patient on anticoagulation. Because there is a narrowing there of the vein, there is an actual mechanical blockage or obstruction. And if that obstruction is not relieved, the patient can present with recurrent DVT over time. And each time the patient presents with rec recurrent DVT, physicians are often perplexed because they are wondering, why is this patient you know, getting all, uh, all of these recurrent DVT? We can't find a cause 
for it. And the whole time, it's due to this obstruction uh, that hasn't been uh, addressed. They've done a hematologic workup, probably. And, but... Correct, correct. And that's negative. But, um, you know, the mechanical issue hasn't been addressed. And this is something that can be evaluated with a CT or an MRI. Generally, ultrasound, uh, it's difficult to evaluate uh, that area in most people. So if it is found that a patient does have Maytherner syndrome, that can be treated with angioplasty and a stent. And once it is treated, a patient could conceivably go off of blood thinners after they finish their three to six month course of blood thinning medication. And to me, that is profound because otherwise someone can be on blood thinning medication for the rest of their life. Absolutely. Sounds like a board question. <laughs> yes. Now, why is Penn one of the leading centers for the management of DVT and post-thrombotic syndrome? Well, here at Penn, uh, we have a multidisciplinary approach to DVT that includes uh, specialists from interventional uh, radiology, internal medicine, hematology, physical therapy, podiatry. So we have a lot of different players that uh, really come together to help the patient uh, that is suffering from post-thrombotic syndrome. In addition, um, we do a lot of very advanced endovascular techniques to open the deep veins uh, of patients who have chronic scarring from DVT. Uh, sometimes uh, patients have come in with uh, complete occlusion of their vena cava from an IVC filter, and we are able to not only remove uh, filters that other places have been, you know, uh, unable to do, but we're also able to completely reconstruct the inferior vena cava, the iliac uh, veins. And this um, often leads to a significant reduction in symptoms uh, for the patient. Many times it could be life-altering uh, for the patient uh, in a good way. So what treatments are offered at Penn for patients with chronic DVT and PTS? So uh, most of the uh, treatments uh, center around an endovascular approach to post-thrombotic syndrome. Uh, most of these uh, uh, procedures um, involve uh, angioplasty and stenting of uh, the iliac veins, sometimes the vena cava. Um, we also do a lot of uh, what is called a DVT thrombolysis uh, or mechanical thrombolysis where we will uh, go in and inject some uh, TPA to uh, lyse the clot and also use various mechanical devices to grind up the clot and evacuate uh, the clot. In addition, uh, for those patients who may have their deep uh, system uh, may be open, but they're suffering from uh, chronic venous insufficiency, we have a very robust program here in superficial uh, venous uh, disease where we treat patients who have uh, chronic venous stasis ulcers. And in these cases, we are doing uh, laser ablation of the saphenous veins, uh, which is done in a lot of uh, uh, institutions and out in the community. Uh, but we treat a lot of patients who have much more complex presentations uh, with venous stasis uh, ulcers. Um, and um, we work closely with uh, podiatry and uh, hematology for these patients. Now, what should physicians, uh, family practitioners, internists, 
general surgeons, etc., know about the management of venous disease and chronic DVT? I think uh, the main thing to keep in mind is that uh, venous disease is a real entity that should not be uh, ignored. I know when you know physicians are seeing patients, uh, you know, in their office, there is a limited time to really, um, you know, evaluate uh, or go over every problem that a uh, patient may have. But one of the beauties of um, venous uh, disease is that it can easily be seen if. Uh, a patient just lifts their dress or their pant leg, um, you can take one look at their legs, and if you see the changes of, of chronic venous uh, disease, um, that patient can likely be uh, treated. If that patient has a history of deep vein thrombosis and subsequently has developed post-thrombotic syndrome, um, there are specialized centers like Penn and other institutions around the country where people can go and seek treatment for their post-thrombotic syndrome. So it's not something that the patients have to live with. These symptoms can really be significantly improved. And in many cases, uh, as I mentioned previously, their uh, quality of life can improve significantly. Deepak, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing these insights. Thank you. I am your host, Dr. Barry Menon. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Medical Breakthroughs from Penn Medicine. To download this podcast or to access others in the series, please visit reachmd.com pen and visit Penn Physician Link, an exclusive program that helps referring physicians connect with Penn. Here you can find education resources, information about our expedited referral process, and communication tools. To learn more, visit www.pennmedicine.org slash physician link. Thank you for listening.